It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thank you also to patrons who make the show possible, like Dennis, Jonathan, Rebecca, and Taylor, Yuri, LL, David, Patty, Trudy, Jean, and Ben, and Alan. I appreciate the support. They became patrons to support the show. Uh, they get exclusive content. They get access to the live streams and such, uh, the prep sheet. You can as well. Just go to the PeteCallenerShow.com and click the link that's uh, at the top of the page there. Um, also, today is November 11th. It's Veterans Day. Uh, thank you very much to all who served, uh, to all military families, and our prayers and our gratitude are with those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. There's nothing that anybody can say uh, to make that pain go away, but uh, we hope it brings comfort that we have deep gratitude for your service. Um Today, we're going to go over some of the stuff, the latest on COVID in North Carolina. Oh, also, uh, speaking of the military, if you're looking for a real U.S. military surplus, go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Uh, it's on Main Street. Uh, he's open Monday through Saturday, and Tim has got all sorts of uh, cold weather gear. It's now in stock, uh, has been for a while because winter is coming. And uh, stuff like, you know, thermal underwear, wool sweaters, military field jackets, wool and fleece toboggans, socks, Gore-Tex jackets, um, everything you're going to need for winter, whether you work outside or you just you're a hunter or something, you like going out uh, and playing in the snow in the cold weather. This is where you need to go. Old Grouch's military surplus uh, for more than three decades on Main Street in downtown Clyde. And it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. So the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, uh, wants you and me and everybody to consider canceling Thanksgiving. Now, this is a very politically unattractive uh, ask. And so I suspect that that's largely why it comes after the election is over. <laughs> and he has uh, he has secured his his victory for another four years. I'm not sure he makes this pitch and issues this executive order uh, two weeks ago. In fact, I'm certain he didn't do it two weeks ago. I was, I've been here. I've been paying attention. I'm old enough to remember it. He didn't issue this uh, two weeks ago or uh, what, a week ago, eight days ago, basically. Just eight days ago, he wouldn't do this. His last briefing before the news conference, are you telling me that everything changed within the last nine days? No. The data has has been trending in the direction it's trending for weeks now, uh, and it's only after the election that he uh, issues this latest executive order. Now, keep in mind, Governor Cooper and his health secretary, Mandy Cohen, they've hammered away at this message that they have done such a great job managing the virus response with lockdowns and their mask mandate, and that's what's doing it, um, that their actions have spared North Carolina the kinds of spikes that we see in other states. The red states, those Republican states, they, you know, they, they, they've made reference to this over the last six months or so. Uh, you know, we don't want to be like those other states like Georgia and South Carolina and Texas. They used to say Florida, but then 
turned out Florida was actually doing a pretty good job, so they dropped Florida. But at the very beginning, remember, people were like, oh, Florida is Florida's bad. Florida's going to be terrible. And, oh, it's a Republican governor. Oh, let, let's let's pile on him. And uh, so and that didn't really work out. So they've dropped Florida. So but now they just keep saying, you know, these other states that are seeing spikes um, and they don't want to be like that. So now that our numbers are increasing, they're urging everybody to recommit to the three W's, the wearing a face mask, the washing your hands and the waiting six feet apart. Uh, They said North Carolina is experiencing a new peak in cases. Do not call this a spike, people. This is not a spike. Those happen in those other states, okay, where those leaders don't care if people die or not. This is a this is just a new peak for us. It's a it's that's all it is. It's higher than it's really ever been. And it's been climbing for the past few weeks, but it's definitely not a spike, not a surge either. Do not call it a surge. It's simply a new peak, a, a crest, if you will. It's a it's a zenith, an, an acme, not a spike. And so with the re-election secure, Governor Cooper then drops the tougher restrictions on North Carolinians in his briefing yesterday. As you can see, these numbers are too high. Considering our trends and cooler weather driving events indoors, North Carolina will remain paused in our current phase three, and we will adjust our indoor gathering limit down from 25 to 10 people. The science shows that the transmission of this virus is much greater indoors. And the more people who are gathered, the easier this virus can spread. We saw increasing spread from social gatherings in October. This reduction in our indoor gathering limit aims to slow the spread and bring down our numbers. It also sends a serious signal to families, friends, and neighbors across our state. So the gathering indoor limit went from 25 down to 10. That does not apply, by the way, to uh, schools, universities, Uh, businesses, restaurants, none of them. Everything, if you're a business, you get to keep operating at the current reduced capacity restrictions, but you get to keep operating as you are right now. But come Friday, if you're looking to have some people over, you can't have more than 10 people in your house or uh, I get like a clubhouse or whatever. So they're going to restrict all of that again, taking it down to 10 people tops. Uh, Dimming the dimmer switch, you might say. What a difference one week makes, right? (laughs) Eight days later, eight days later, and uh, we're going to dial this back. By the way, uh, the only place to go from here, if you're looking backwards, and I know a lot of media, uh, they always ask the forward looking questions, these what what will happen if questions. And I'm not even going to bother going over the questions from yesterday's briefing because they were all like that. Uh, They were all these questions about, well, what happens if this happens? What are you going to do if this other thing happens? And what are you thinking about in the future about this? It's all speculative. It's it's virtually valueless. So uh, and that's all they know how to ask. And I understand why that happens. But I digress. I've done I've I've said my piece on this over the last few months. I won't rehash it. But um Eight days later, nine days after the election here, and all of a sudden now we're going back to a lower capacity indoor family gatherings, right? These are social gatherings. So those are getting dialed back to 10. And there's really only one place to go after that. 
which is lockdowns, that everybody has to stay at home, basically the quarantine uh, that we saw uh, at the very outset. Um, So what does this mean for Thanksgiving? And many North Carolinians are focused on how to celebrate the holiday amid the pandemic. Mm -hmm. There will be the usual concerns about who's carving the turkey and whether you're going to talk about politics. But we need everyone focused on how to keep safe this holiday season. And I want North Carolinians to keep something else in mind as plans come together. This pandemic will end. A vaccine is in the final stages of development, and the FDA has authorized a promising new treatment. Hope is on the horizon. This pandemic will not last forever. As frustrating and painful as it is, we must keep fighting a little while longer. We don't want to let the last eight months of sacrifices go to the waste by dropping our guard or ignoring safety measures during family gatherings. So, again, I just want to point out, during all of the mass demonstrations, all of the celebrations for Joe Biden, like all of that doesn't get the kind of scolding that he's now doing. All of those events don't warrant any kind of commentary from the governor. It's only uh, now when he's like, oh, Thanksgiving, you guys better, you know, recommit to this stuff because you're not doing enough. See, there's always somebody to blame. Before the election, it was uh, the Republicans for holding all of their rallies and stuff and Dan Forrest for running around. And I'm going to get into this in a bit. But now who does he have to blame? Who, who is there that he can cite as not doing their part? And I guess they can go after some businesses, which, by the way, just if your area is like where I live, then you're seeing businesses that are not really adhering any longer to a lot of the protocols that were initially put in place. You know, people aren't wiping everything down all over the place. Uh, there used to be, you know, this sort of uh, regulated access into restaurants and breweries, but not bars. They're still closed. Sorry, bars. Yeah, you're going to have to go out of business. And so... Uh, All of these establishments, they've kind of gotten a little bit slack. So maybe he goes after them and maybe this is who he's talking to. Um, But also it's you. It's me. It's the other. It's somebody who's not doing enough. And this, of course, inspires a lot of people, uh, the Grubers of our society, to look at everybody else, you know, side eyed. And are they doing enough? Are they wearing a mask? Are they wearing that mask properly? That's I mean, you can see examples of this all over the place. You have them in your personal life. I saw one just yesterday where. They have some, uh, uh, there is like some pro-mask advertisement or something, and people start savaging the the image that's used because that person isn't properly wearing the mask. And these are all pro-mask people, right? All of the mask people are, are ripping into this advertisement that's promoting mask wearing, and they're ripping it because it's not the most optimal way to wear the mask and if we're going to educate the people you know that are not me because i'm way smarter than everybody else this these people pretend like they never walked the wrong way down the one-way grocery aisle you know i did it i yeah like i walked in i didn't even think about it and i just walked right in and like I, i've gone up to places and forgotten to put my mask on and then i get scolded by the uh there was a restaurant actually a couple weeks ago We were meeting friends from out of town. I walk up, and as I'm looking at my phone to get uh, uh, a text message to read the message to see if they're already inside at the restaurant, and as I'm walking up the stairs, 
to go there, they got the little uh, podium set up, you know, the little host station set up on the porch. And they're like, sir, please step back six feet, wear your mask. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, really, do you need to? I mean, like, I know you probably encounter people like me that forget. I'm literally holding the mask in my hand as I walk up and I'm looking at my phone. I just forgot. Simmer down and relax. This is people's lives you're talking about. This like this kind of hysteria is just it's all over the place. It's everywhere. So anyway, um, this and this is what this kind of pandemic breeds because you people are trying to find somebody to blame. Anyway, um, back to this soundbite here from Governor Cooper explaining what to do for Thanksgiving. We've come too far to lose our focus now. We don't want a spike in cases and deaths that will also hurt our economy. And even though this means changes to longstanding holiday traditions for many of us, take comfort in the fact that there is light at the end of the tunnel. With our continued dedication by next Thanksgiving or even sooner, mm. this pandemic can be behind us. We- he, he does he does the the. The rally, you know, the the cheer up, the inspirational stuff, just so poorly. It, it's so forced. And uh, it, it comes across, to me at least, it comes across as completely phony. But that's just me. Obviously, most people in the state are totally fine with his leadership on all of this. We can put the sickness and the economic hurt in the rearview mirror if we pull together. That takes everybody committing to a safe holiday even if it means changes this year. Reduce the invite list. Space out your tables. Get a COVID test before the event. Or better yet, connect virtually. I know North Carolinians are creative and will find amazing ways to celebrate the holidays while still keeping our communities safe. Find a way that works for your family and know that your sacrifice is helping all of our state. Now, one of the things he mentioned there is uh, get a test. And at first glance, it sounds like, oh, that's a pretty good idea, right? Get yourself a COVID test two to three days before if you're going to you know, host people or you're going to go to a Thanksgiving Day celebration. Go get yourself a test. And that's fine. But And the idea there being is that you'll get the results back before the holiday if you go two, three, four days ahead of time. But all that did was take a snapshot of where you were at that time, right? And what we know about the PCR tests is that... Uh, they're going to find these remnant strands. You could have had COVID, never known you had it four months ago. And it's going to pick up these trace elements still in your, is basically dead virus RNA or whatever inside your uh, system. And then, so it's going to trip a positive on that test. And then what are you going to do? Oh, I got to stay home. Got to cancel Thanksgiving. So this is the problem with the testing. And when the only person one time asked Uh, Mandy Cohen about this last week, she dodged the question and said, oh, we're just following the manufacturer's uh, testing standard, which is way it it, they go way too deep to find the trace elements of the covid virus. That's the problem. They're going way too deep. And so it's not telling you what, what the reason why you test is, is what to find out. Am I contagious? That's the whole point. Do I have it? And am I spreading it? And the tests, when you go that deep, that's not contagious. So this is a big problem I've got. Now, if you've got a problem going to sleep at night, then uh, I have got a potential solution for you. I take CBD oil. I take CBD. I take some drops, uh, put some on my tongue as I lay in bed. 
kind of dissolves in my mouth. And then I sleep more deeply now than I ever have before. And I use Grower's Hemp, full spectrum hemp extract. Uh, you should too. And if you go to growershemp.com, type in my name, Pete. You don't have to worry about the last name. I know it's tough to spell. Pete. And uh, you get 20% off. All right. Growers Hemp is founded by farmers, run by farmers here in North Carolina. And uh, full disclosure, it's my brother-in-law down uh, east of Charlotte and a bunch of his farmer colleagues. And they got together and they're like, let's do this ourselves instead of having these companies from all over the place, you know, parachute into North Carolina. So now they control everything from seed to shelf. And uh, that means what? Better quality, lower price. Add the natural alternative Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract to your daily routine. What are you looking for? A better quality of life? A balanced state of mind? Positive mental outlook? Immune system resilience? Lower tension? Yeah, I know. The elections, well, it's, I don't know if it's over, right? <laughs> uh, that might help as well. But uh, CBD can help you with some of this stuff, too. Uh, they also know you're going to have a lot of questions about CBD. A lot of people do. Growers Hemp will guide you every step along the way. They want you to be happy and satisfied. Uh, speaking of being satisfied, here is what the government requires uh, for it to be satisfied whenever I talk about CBD products. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. <gasps> Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Go to growershemp.com. Get more information there as well. Growershemp.com. Remember, promo code PETE, 20% off. From North Carolina farmers to your home, Growers Hemp. It is about the hemp and not the hype. So uh, what else about the executive order? Uh, it, it does not affect schools or universities. Uh, this is just targeting family gatherings. And uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services Mandy Cohen says we have protocols in place for schools and we see very low level of spread in the schools. Really interesting. I'm old enough to remember when people were telling you that that was the case and you didn't listen. Anyway, uh, restaurants. What about restaurants? As I mentioned earlier, uh, the restaurants are unaffected by this executive order. They can continue operating as they have been. And there is also now a, um, a grant program that the governor announced. I have something here from the North State Journal on that. Governor Cooper announced that full-service restaurants are now eligible for assistance through the Mortgage Utility and Rent Relief Program, or the M-U-R-R, administered by the North Carolina Department of Commerce. The M-U-R-R, or the MUR, which is weird. Wouldn't it be the MURP? Because it's program at the end. Mortgage, Utility, and Rent Relief Program. So MURP. Or actually, maybe you roll the R's in this one, so it's a MURP. Maybe like that. It does sound kind of cat-like. Anyway, the businesses may apply for up to four months of rent or mortgage interest, capped at $20,000 per location for up to two locations. Businesses can learn more and apply at nccommerce.com slash mur. No P. M-U-R-R. Okay. nccommerce.com slash mur. Um, again, bars uh, doesn't apply here you're covered under this this is full service restaurant so yeah you're still screwed governor's not letting you open nor is he allowing you to um to get any money 
because of uh, his orders closing you. So good luck. Um, what else? Oh, this was interesting. In a related note, uh, our restaurants in North Carolina, as I said, unaffected by the executive order here. Uh, however, uh, this was sort of related out of San Francisco. The mayor there named London Breed says no more indoor dining in San Francisco because the cases there have doubled over the last three weeks. You'll recall San Francisco was cited as a great example of uh, coronavirus response and management, right? Month, several months ago. Um, the gov- uh, the, the, sorry, the mayor there is also pausing the reopening of high schools and reducing capacity at gyms and movie theaters. Elementary and middle schools can proceed. So I'm guessing that there have just been, what, a lot of uh, Trump rallies going on in San Francisco? Has that been the deal? I'm not... <laughs> Well, that's what I thought all the spread was from, which actually reminded me of a question that Governor Cooper was asked at the previous briefing. So not yesterday, but the one before this would have been on uh, November 5th. Um, Well, here, take a listen. Both you and the governor have expressed your desire to see the pandemic become less politicized. Um, You know, what's your plan going forward to depoliticize this, you know, over time, are you, uh, you know, like how 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 do you how do you do that in this in this context? I think it's going to be a natural occurrence because the election is over, <laughs> and so we we are now past that. I think most every North Carolinian, every American, is ready to move on from the rough and tumble election, and to go go about our business of trying to fight this pandemic uh, get better paying jobs for people get kids educated so i think it's going to be a natural occurrence we believe that uh, since it won't be part of campaigns uh, anymore that more people will look at this holistically and will try to come together to slow the spread of the virus because I do believe that our economy and slowing the spread of this virus is tied together, and we want to do both. We want our economy to go up, and we want the spread of this virus to go down. And I think that working together, we can get there, and we won't have the distraction of this election <laughs> where political the politicizing of the pandemic mm. uh, it, it has was central in many things, many ways, and. Wearing a mask, whether you did it or not, seemed to be a political statement. Now we don't have to worry about that. And hopefully we can move forward uh, with science and facts and making sure that we're protecting the health and safety of North Carolinians. Okay, so basically blaming Republicans. So now that he's won, they'll all shut up and do what he says. That's what I got out of that answer. Maybe you deciphered something different, but uh, I think it's pretty clear. He's He says... Uh, when asked, what is your specific plan to depoliticize uh, the the pandemic? And his response is, it'll occur naturally because Republicans lost, at least to him, because Republicans won in all these other races. But, uh, you know, Trump lost and Dan Forrest lost. And so because of that, uh, no more politicization of the pandemic. That's amazing. <laughs> and by the way, this was uh, this was at the heart of so much coverage 
in not just North Carolina, but around the country as well. Um, we were treated to stories like this one that occurred in the AP right before the election. Health officials confirmed COVID case at Dan Forrest rally. Oh, hang on. D- uh, COVID case at Dan Forrest rally. Right. It felt like it warranted that kind of... Uh, that kind of production value. Anyway, an unidentified person who attended a campaign rally for Dan Forrest tested positive for COVID-19. This was right before the election. This was dateline October 28th. So less than a week before the election. And the AP runs a headline that health officials confirm a COVID-19 case at a Dan Forrest rally. This one actually comes from our neck of the woods, Burnsville. Um, This is North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, Spokeswoman Kelly Haight Connor uh, says that it is aware of one case involving a person who attended a rally for Forrest in Burnsville on October 15th. Quote, people who have attended a mass gathering of any kind, including rallies, are encouraged to get tested for COVID-19. Uh, Forest campaign spokesman Andrew Dunn said they had received no word from DHHS on the COVID-19 case, learning of it through what was described as a leak to the media. Now, that's interesting, because if you're going to tie the case to the rally, why wouldn't you contact the people who put the rally on? Right. Doesn't that just make sense? It does to me. But they did not. They did not contact the Dan Forrest campaign. I'm sure there was no reason for that. Just an oversight or something. Dr. Mandy Cohen has repeatedly stated that all tracing and tracking is confidential and pandemics are not political. But I guess that does not apply to us six days before an election, Dunn said. We wonder if DHHS will also release the COVID cases linked to the protest march of thousands of people where the governor marched without a mask too. Whomever the individual is, we wish them a speedy recovery. See, this, and I've been railing against this for the duration, well, basically since the, uh, since the protests erupted over the summer and the way they got treated and covered versus the way the coverage and treatment of, say, church uh, uh, services or the reopen NC or the Trump rallies or the forest events, like any of these types of events that occurred were treated very differently than the protests over the summer. And that, that continued even throughout. I mean, when have you ever seen any criticism of Antifa's actions in Seattle and Portland that had to do specifically with COVID-19? I've seen criticisms about um, you know, the violence and that sort of thing. But I've not. And, and there have been some you know, that come from people of the left. But you don't ever see ever see any kind of criticism about those demonstrations based on COVID-19 concerns. And uh, we don't see any concerns expressed about the celebrations for Joe Biden that occurred this weekend. Right. None expressed. This is corrosive. The double standard is corrosive. And I'm, I'm going to circle back to this because there's a the, the Biden uh, camp has announced their covid task force. And you're going to want to hear some of what some of those folks have to say about various things. But I think this is part of the reason why there is this uh, there's this politicization is because when one crowd does stuff, they get scolded. But when it's your crowd that does stuff, it's OK. And people see that. And it undermines your credibility if you're not going to call out your own people for engaging in what you describe as dangerous behavior. 
then people cease to believe you that it's actually dangerous behavior. Democratic Governor Roy Cooper's campaign issued a statement pointing to Dan Forrest's campaign rallies as a factor on the positive test. Liz Daugherty, the spokeswoman for the Cooper campaign, said, quote, This unfortunate development is the result of Dan Forrest routinely putting people in harm's way for months. We hope anybody diagnosed with COVID recovers, but especially right now, North Carolinians deserve better from their leaders. Um, now, we are not told what kind of test this was. Was it a PCR test that tripped positive and the person wasn't actually contagious because it was some dead remnants in their system of the virus? Uh, or was it an antigen test? Right. Um, also, according to this very story, they don't know whether the person had it before or after. <laughs> and they don't know if anybody else got it from this person. So basically what you have is a person goes in and gets tested and they find out two weeks ago that, hey, they were at a rally. And then that information gets out into the media. How does that happen? Somebody is obviously trying to connect this case to Dan Forrest in an, in an attempt to make it a super spreader narrative, right? And I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that the person who had it that they were not sick. It doesn't appear that they were. There's no connecting, uh, no connection that says that they were. But maybe they were. Maybe it was a super spreader event. We don't know. They don't give us any of that information. All they tell us is, we found a case. Hmm, interesting. A week before the election, this gets leaked to the media that somebody has it. They were at a rally. And uh, what do you think it means? Draw your own conclusions. That's the kind of politicization that has been occurring I would submit not by people on the right. That is from folks on the left, right? That's where that came from. Then there was this story. This came out uh, yesterday. North Carolina headline: North Carolina counties with highest recent COVID nineteen case counts went heavily for Trump. Why would you do that story? Why would you seek to do to do a story like that? I'm going to come back to that in a minute. First, let me tell you about Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team buying or selling. She is the only agent to call, okay? She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. I called her when uh, Christy and I said, you know what, let's get out of this apartment, this multifamily living in the pandemic. It kind of stinks. We're paying for all these amenities, and uh, we don't get to use any of them. So how about we uh, spend less on our mortgage than we do on our rent and not pay for all of the amenities that we're not using? So we called Rowena Patton, and uh, we are now in process of uh, there's a, our house is getting built right now, and it's in a community. And so, uh, it, you know, it's a couple months down the road, but Rowena helped us with all of that. And she told us the questions to ask, things to look for in this process that we would not have known to look for. So put her and her team to work for you. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. So this story uh, comes from WNCN which is a CBS affiliate, I believe. And I think they're in the Raleigh area. But uh, their story headline, North Carolina counties with the highest recent COVID-19 case counts went heavily for Trump. And um, this is garbage journalism. It's not even journalism. I call this journalisming because you're like pretending to be a journalist. And you're like, oh, hey, look at this. I'm looking at this map and it has all the COVID case counts. And oh, my gosh, doesn't this map kind of remind you of the voter turnout and the voter uh, results map of the election? Oh, my gosh, let's let's overlay them and let's draw a conclusion based on a single criteria. 
<laughs> one data point. Let's let's do a whole story based on a single data point, which is absolutely asinine. It is uninteresting at best. It is misleading at worst. It 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 strikes me as completely dishonest and lazy. Um, but that is a lot of what media is nowadays. But you have an entire newsroom. Think about this. You have an entire newsroom that looked at this story in their assignment meeting, you know, when everybody gets together and they uh, they talk about, gee, what stories are we going to cover today? And they all sat around and had a discussion about this story. And they were all like, yeah, I like it. Looks good. Why would you go with this story? This is absurd. You took the last. So let me. All right. Let me go over the details here. They say. The vast majority of the counties with the highest per capita rates of new COVID-19 cases over the past two weeks are counties where Donald Trump claimed an overwhelming share of the unofficial presidential vote, according to a CBS17.com data analysis. Okay, so the highest per capita rates, so per person uh, rates of the new cases over the last two weeks. Right. So it's a very tightly tailored, narrow uh, data set they are looking at. This is the per capita cases and over the last two weeks. So so if you were spiking four weeks ago, you're you're in the clear. So if you were spiking six months ago, you're in the clear. You're not going to get this kind of coverage. And by the way, CBS 17 never did this this type of coverage when other areas of the state were seeing spikes. Oh, sorry. New peaks. Right. Five, six, seven months ago. CBS 17 compared the county by county case counts per 100,000 residents over the last two weeks. They compared that to the voting results. 14 of these uh, counties have had at least 500 cases per capita, per 100,000 people over the past two weeks. And 13 of those 14 went for Trump, who had at least 60% of the vote in each of those. Um, and then the only one that didn't was Wilson County, where 51% went to Joe Biden. And they had a lot of cases, 561 cases. Now, here's the thing. Maybe there's some other reason. See, what, what they're trying to do is link these two separate data points. Because they're what they're doing is saying, oh, look at this. It's correlation. And they're trying to equate that to causation. That there is something that we should determine based on the fact that this county went for Trump and now it has a lot of cases. Is there something that we're supposed to discern from this? Is there a cause? Are you leading us to this impression that uh, there is a cause? Red, uh, Red County now has COVID. Is there? Is there something to that? Well, actually, there isn't. Let me go on, because this is really amazing. The fact that this story gets published is amazing. Nationwide, we see similar trends where the areas that were for the president are getting hit hardest by the virus, which is somewhat ironic in many ways, given the administration's downplaying of the pandemic and the infection in many ways, said Dr. David Wall, an infectious disease specialist at the University of North Carolina. He says, quote, I think there is a trend where you do see that happening. Is it behavior? It could be. All right. So his entire quote is of zero value, zero value, at, at least from an epidemiological standpoint or a sciencey standpoint or a data standpoint, zero value. Now, his insight may have some value, politically speaking, if you're trying to give an impression that Republicans are getting covid because they love Trump and because Trump doesn't care about them and the downplaying of the virus. Then, then fine. Yeah, there is some value there. But if you're looking at it from an honest perspective, an objective perspective, 
there's no value to what he says here because the places that are now experiencing the increase in case counts are rural areas. And this has been going on for a little while now. And by the way, these rural areas, you know what they're also more likely to have in them? Prisons. Yeah, prisons. Places that have been ground zero for outbreaks of COVID-19 because it's congregate living scenarios. So uh, what are you actually arguing here? That you got a rural area that's now seeing an increase in COVID cases because Trump gave it to them or because they love Trump, they got it and they don't care. So they got it. They're behaving, uh, you know, uh, uh, irresponsibly. And so they got it. Where were these types of accusations when the urban areas were seeing COVID rip through them six months ago, eight months ago? We didn't get this kind of coverage then of the 15 counties at the other extreme. The 170 or with 170 or fewer new case counts in only seven of them has Trump's share of the vote totals so far exceeded 60 uh, percent. In only one of those counties did Biden claim more than half the vote. So it's a really weird way that they wrote that. You know what it actually means? When you look at the other end of the spectrum, you got the 15 counties with the lowest per capita case count and Trump carried 14 of those 15 as well. So in other words, the data that they present to you is that in the 15 counties that have the highest case counts, 14 of the 15 went for Trump. And that's their headline. But in the counties with the lowest case counts per capita, 14 of the 15 also went to Trump. <laughs> so, which would undermine the entire premise of their BS story. Okay. Now, um, if you are tired of getting some BS stories, when you uh, go to get a piece of rental equipment, then you need to get an order over to General Equipment Rental uh, because they are going to tell you what kind of tool you need, what kind of equipment you need for the project, and they're going to help you understand how it works. And by the way, sometimes you go in there and you think you need a certain tool or piece of equipment, and it's actually the wrong tool for what you're trying to do. So just talk with them, and they will guide you to the right tool and equipment uh, for the job. And then you just bring it back to them. They are also, by the way, your official Husqvarna and Honda licensed outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Uh, so whatever the project, General Equipment Rental has the tool that you need. They've been voted best equipment rental store for the second straight year in the Mountain Express Reader's Poll. Go find out why. All right, They, they, they are fans of the show. Uh, they want your business. And uh, I think they'll earn it. I, I really do. Give them a chance. They're in Weaverville uh, at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They're family owned and operated for three generations. They're members of the community and uh, they're just great people, too. They're great people working there uh, and uh, they want to help you get your project done right. So generalrents.com. Go check out their website, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville and think outside your toolbox. Uh, all right. Moving on now, there is uh uh, this story out of the New York Post, or, or sorry, a column from the New York Post's Carol Markowitz, um, who says, uh, hey, I saw you people dancing in Washington Square Park, cheering in Grand Army Plaza, screaming in the streets of Brooklyn, huddled up in Times Square like it was New Year's Eve. Now, I don't begrudge anybody a good time, but I thought this might be an apt moment to ask. Uh, we're done with this pandemic thing, right? I mean, we must be because the crowds didn't elicit a single stern wag of the finger either from Mayor Bill de Blasio or Governor Andrew Cuomo. See, this is what I was saying earlier. The dismissal of the virus as serious, I think, is directly tied to the application of double standards. 
people see the way you treat one group versus another group, and they, you know, quite rationally and logically conclude that, oh, this isn't that big of a deal, because if it was, you would be scolding them too. It shouldn't matter if they're your team or not. Um, She says, if crowds uh, could form to cheer on an election result, why can't we have outdoor concerts? Why do Catholic Eucharistic processions and Jewish funerals get slapped down while Black Lives Matter rallies do not? The hypocrisy, of course, stems from the fact that Cuomo and de Blasio approve of the parties to celebrate a Joe Biden win. He's on their team, so it's okay. The rest of us schlubs who want to have a party for all the wrong reasons, like, you know, celebrating a marriage or a new baby, we risk arrest for the same behavior. There cannot be one set of COVID-19 rules for some people, but not for others. But that's the naked message from the governor and mayor. This isn't about science. The virus, to be clear, cannot distinguish between a funeral for a beloved rabbi or a black trans lives protest. Okay? Chance of no justice, no peace. Do not magically repel the coronavirus like some protective spell. She says our feckless politicians are drunk with the power COVID-19 has granted them. If New Yorkers were quiet because of the election and because they didn't want to speak out against Cuomo, lest they accidentally find themselves aligned with Trump, well, that risk is now gone. I think that is a very, it's a very good point and it's an underappreciated one, which is I think there were a lot of people who took positions that were strictly anti-Trump because of Trump. And Uh, And so they did not want to criticize anybody that was on their team because they did not want to get lumped into with the orange man bad people. Right. They they, they, they did not want to be a part of that crowd. And so you could not express any kind of misgivings about, oh, guys, I don't think we should be doing all these demonstrations either, because then they would say you're Trumpkin. You're on Team Trump. She says it's long past the time to stand up for your city and your rights. There's no uh, there's no sanity to any of this anymore. And meek New Yorkers have to start saying so. There's either a dangerous pandemic out there or there isn't. There are either ways to contain it that make sense or there aren't. But the current situation of one set of rules for the progressive ruling class and another set for the rest of us, that cannot go on. So this brings me to audio from a fella named Dr. Michael Osterholm, a member of Joe Biden's newly formed COVID task force. He appeared on MSNBC. Let me just say that on Labor Day, we had 32,000 cases a day in this country reported. Uh, At that time, you know, I was already saying that this was going to be the darkest months ahead in terms of the pandemic because of the combination of pandemic fatigue, people who believe the pandemic is real, but just are tired of of trying to limit their activities to reduce their risk. You know, Uh, then we have pandemic anger, that part of the population that believes that this is still a hoax and that uh, nothing that they're going to do is going to be consistent with public health recommendations. And then you bring us all indoors with indoor air where the virus concentrates most much more inside of homes where we have one to two air exchanges an hour as opposed to 12 air exchanges in a hospital. And so when you add that all up, it's the perfect storm. So, you know, I'm not surprised right now and have said we would be hitting 100 to 150,000 cases in this very time period. And what I've been saying for months is get ready. We're going to be hitting 200,000 or more cases a day. And we have to get prepared in our hospitals for that very issue. So according to this guy, you have a third 
of the U.S. population that he calls pandemic anger, uh, who still believe the virus is a hoax and politically motivated. Now, I suspect my theory here is that this is in large part due to arbitrary enforcement edicts and scoldings that only seem to go in one direction. And uh, for the last eight months, if there had been a consistent application of this standard, a consistent scolding of left and right, then maybe there would be more buy-in among a lot of people. But when you tell half of the population that they're to blame for what they're doing, but the people who are doing the very same thing, they're not to blame for it, then the one you're blaming will eventually stop listening to you. So this does not bode well, I think, for uh, whatever efforts these folks are going to undertake. Now, there's something else going on here as well with this guy, Michael Osterholm, member of Joe Biden's newly formed COVID task force, says that in order to control the coronavirus infection, quote, we need to lock down to drive the infection levels lower. This is what he wrote in a in an op-ed in the New York Times, uh, along with uh, the president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank, Neil Kashkari. Um, they said that they need they need to implement a lockdown so that uh, we can control the virus. He said, "I'm talking about everything from Australia to New Zealand, all the way right up through China, Japan. All of those countries have done that already, and what it would take." However, though, is to really deal with the pain and suffering economically. What we basically proposed was um, to, uh, he's talking about the savings rate gone from 8% to 22%. He says, we could borrow the money from ourselves at historically low interest rates. We could pay people to lose their jobs. We can pay small businesses. We can take care of city, state, and county governments. If we just elected to do that, if Washington could get together and make that happen, that would be a very different kind of lockdown where people wouldn't suffer and we could get the virus under control. If we're a raging house on fire with coronavirus in this country, our economy is not going to do well, so we've got to understand we have a way to do it. We just have elected not to do it. Basically, it's what I call pay to prevail. This is the argument that a lot of people on the left made at the beginning of the pandemic, and this guy is now on the COVID task force. This is a guy who says we can lock down the entire country, the world, basically. We need to lock down the whole world. And in America, we just pay people to lose their jobs. What could go wrong? We'll just keep printing money and paying people to sit at home and do nothing. And uh, I submit that this man does not have a full understanding of human nature. People will not do that. People go crazy. We need stuff to do. If we just sit at home all day long with nothing to do, eventually it explodes. I, to this day, uh, and I, I, think, I think there's more evidence to support my opinion on this than not, I think a lot of the mass demonstrations that occurred and are still occurring have been fueled by the lockdown, lockdown fever, cabin fever. I think a lot of it, because at the very beginning, especially, right, when the demonstrations first erupted after George Floyd's death, um, this was the only socially acceptable way to gather among people. Nobody, w- everybody was looking side-eyed at anybody that was trying to leave the house. Are you going to the grocery store? You better only be going out for essential items. That's it. Don't you dare 
Don't you dare go out and do something that's just purely for joy and entertainment. Don't you try to decompress. Don't you take your mind off of stuff by doing something or going somewhere that's not lockdown approved, right? And so this was a way for particularly young people to get out and do other things besides scroll through their Instagram. And I don't think these people have a, a, a good understanding of human nature. I think that's... I think that's probably what is at the heart of a lot of political disagreement between the left and the right. It's a different understanding of the fundamental nature of humans. Uh, speaking of human nature, I can tell you that it is in everyone's human nature. Everyone needs a good night's sleep. And if you're not getting good night's sleep regularly, it's going to affect your uh, your physical health and your mental health. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe a lot of people have gone crazy during the lockdowns and the COVID pandemic stuff because they haven't had a really good mattress. And so they're not getting good night's sleep. Go to Mattress Man and get yourself a great mattress for a great deal. And maybe if every that's what we need to do, actually, we need to get mattresses from Mattress Man in everyone's homes in America, and then people won't be so crazy. I think we have just stumbled on the solution here for uh, the group insanity, the the society level insanity that we're seeing <laughs> in the last eight months. A mattress for every bedroom from mattressmanstores.com. Uh, get on over to the website, check them out, or go into any of their four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide. They have local five-star white glove delivery service. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. If you serve in the military, if you have served in the military, or if you are a military family, go and ask Mattress Man uh, about their military discount. They've got mattresses in stock. A lot of the big guys can't get inventory for six to eight weeks. They also have the bed-in-the-box mattresses. They start at $189. This is a great idea if you are uh, entertaining no more than 10 people in your house for the holidays and they're staying over uh, and you don't have a bed for them or maybe you got a crummy bed, go grab a bed in a box for $189 at Mattress Man. Now, if you're looking for uh, the Biltmore Collection, uh, they've got that as well. They're the only place you're going to find, actually, the Biltmore Collection by Restonic. These are American-made. They're made in Fayetteville. Uh, they also, and these are the mattresses, by the way, at the uh, hotel and the inn that are at the Biltmore Estate. Uh, they also have the latest line from Paramount Sleep called Nature's Spa. This is a series of hybrid mattresses sold at, Bloom at uh, Bloomingdale's but also featured at Blackberry Farm in Tennessee. They've got traditional interspring mattresses, pocketed springs uh, mattresses, memory foam pillow top, natural latex, hand-tufted, two-sided hotel foam. They've got adjustable bases. They've got what you need to get a good night's sleep. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. Uh, here's another fellow, by the way, that's on the new uh, coronavirus task force that uh, Joe Biden has put together. I think there are 10 people on this. You uh, just heard from one of them, the pro-lockdown guy. Uh, now you've got, uh, we also have, I should say, Zeke Emanuel, Ezekiel Emanuel, brother to Rom Emanuel, old dead fish himself. Um, Dr. Emanuel is an oncologist. And he's one of the 10 advisory board members that Biden appointed to his coronavirus task force this week. Um, and some people found something he wrote in 2014, I believe it is, in The Atlantic. And he wrote at the time <laughs> that he has no aspiration to live beyond the age of 75. Uh, he said in this piece that he believed that by that age, quote, 
creativity, originality, and productivity are pretty much gone for the vast, vast majority of us. Okay, creativity, originality, and productivity, they're gone. Okay, um, but, hey, I'm looking forward to when I turn 75, uh, if I make it that long, I'm simply going to be laying in my mattress man bed and I'm going to be playing video games until I die. Like that's, I don't need any more creativity or origina- originality or productivity at that point in my life. I'm totally fine with it. I'm going to ride out my golden years, uh, hooked to a, probably, you know, like a, some virtual reality <laughs> a video game system. Uh, he says, uh, living too long is also a loss. It renders many of us, if not disabled, then faltering and declining a state that may not be worse than death, but is nonetheless deprived. Um, he sa- This was titled, Why I Hope to Die at 75. Now, he makes it clear in this piece that he is opposed to euthanasia, any physician-assisted suicide or anything like that, and he says, uh, you know, he's not looking to just die when he hits age 75. He said that Americans are obsessed with health remedies in a valiant effort to cheat death and prolong life as long as possible, and I reject this aspiration. I think this manic desperation to endlessly extend life is misguided and potentially destructive. <laughs> He's 63, by the way. Uh, and in case you are wondering, yeah, Joe Biden, he's 77. So Biden is 77. And there's no word here whether or not Emmanuel believes that maybe Biden doesn't have any more creativity, originality, or productivity left in his life at this point. Washington Examiner columnist Tim Carney described Emmanuel as the life after 75 isn't worth living guy and said that Biden's nomination of Emmanuel to address the disease that mostly affects seniors is ironic in itself. It really is. Hey, guy who doesn't think life's worth living after 75, you want to be in charge of making sure people over 75 live? Cool. All right. That's a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.